You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into today's edition of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Happy to be with you here as always. Today is Wednesday, November 4th, 2020, the day after Election Day. So I hope you guys got a chance to have your voice heard and represented in the most patriotic and American way that is possible. And today in the podcast, we are going to be joined by my good pal, Michael Felder, one of the best college football minds out there on Twitter. He's also the college football video analyst for Watch Stadium, does a great job breaking down film and bringing his unique perspective to what he has seen on the field. And in today's episode, as we talk to Michael Felder, we're going to get his insight and get his take on the things that Penn State is doing well, the things that Penn State can improve on. We got a lot of good stuff out of Michael Felder in our interview later in today's podcast. We are going to start the show with a couple of quick news and notes, of course. And we also want to make sure you never miss a single episode. So make sure you're subscribing on whatever podcasting app you may be listening to us right now hit that subscribe button and then after the episode make sure you go back and leave a rating leave a review let us know what you thought about today's episode what you think about the podcast in general uh, because we want to build something here that you want to continue to coming back to and of course share with your friends and your family your fellow Penn State fans as we try to build a community throughout here on the 2020 college football Penn State football season And we also invite you to stay socially connected in a variety of ways. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch, all under the same username of LockedOnNittany. So with all that out of the way, guys, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. We're actually going to start today's podcast by touching on a Big Ten storyline that doesn't directly impact Penn State, at least at this point in time. But once again... The Wisconsin Badgers are not going to be playing a football game this upcoming weekend. It was announced on Tuesday by Wisconsin that due to the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak that they are dealing with in Madison within their football program, they are not going to be able to play this coming weekend against Purdue. So that means that Wisconsin now will have missed two games from their eight-game schedule. Uh, They previously postponed or canceled their game against Nebraska this past weekend, and now they're canceling their game against Purdue this upcoming weekend. So out of the eight-game schedule that they originally had, right now Wisconsin is looking at a six-game schedule. Keep in mind, they are one more canceled game away from not even qualifying to be able to eligible to be eligible to play for the Big Ten Championship unless the average number of games throughout the Big Ten uh, lowers themselves uh, a little bit to help out Wisconsin's potential case to play for a Big Ten championship. That doesn't look very likely to happen because they're going to need a lot of canceled games throughout the Big Ten to start dropping the average low enough. Now, of course, the direct impact of Wisconsin canceling two games is the fact that Nebraska and Purdue are each sitting on seven-game schedules now. So, yeah, the average does go down uh, because of that as well. But Uh, That's a weird situation, and I don't know exactly what the perfect solution here is other than going back and retroactively starting the schedule with the flexibility with some of those bye weeks as they originally did way back when. We're not going to sit here and criticize the decisions with the schedule at at this point in time. We're just going to deal with what's happening right now. Uh, So as far as Wisconsin's concerned, they are now hoping to get back on the field, I guess, next week. Uh, Who do they play next week? I think they play Michigan next week, if I'm not mistaken. I I think that game's coming up uh, relatively soon. 
I don't know the schedule. I'm not looking up the schedule as I'm recording this, so bear with me if I'm slightly off on my Wisconsin schedule. Uh, but this is a, a tough situation for Wisconsin, and it certainly has the trickle-down effect throughout the Big Ten. Now, as far as I know, Wisconsin is hoping to have an update on their current status as far as their schedule and moving forward, I believe, on Saturday, which is November 7th. So just keep that in mind. We'll probably be be hearing more about where Wisconsin goes from here as they continue to work through this COVID-19 situation. Now, fortunately for the Big Ten, we have not seen a similar situation pop up at any other Big Ten school just yet. And hopefully that's going to be the case. Hopefully we do get through the remainder of the Big Ten schedule as is with minimal impact on the schedule. Uh, Obviously, we could certainly see some positive cases still pop up at any given time, at any given university. But let's just hope that if and when that happens, that it's not going to lead to an outbreak that really disrupts your schedule. Obviously, we're always focusing more on the health and safety of all the players. And hopefully everybody within that Wisconsin program that is going through this is going to come out of this just fine. And and, there's no indication yet that that's not going to be the case. But obviously it's uh, something we will keep an eye on moving forward and hope for the best for everybody impacted by this directly uh, within the Wisconsin program and should it pop up anywhere else. I'll obviously be focused on that as well. As far as football is concerned, uh, Wisconsin is going to be out of action once again this upcoming weekend. And who knows just when they are going to be back on the field. If you're curious about what an 0-2 start does for Penn State's bowl projections, well, I know I am. So I wanted to share what I had dug up uh, from some of the various bowl projections that tend to go out there and are regularly updated. I just did a quick search and I found the bowl projections from ESPN, CBS Sports, USA Today, and uh, Brett McMurphy. Ironically, from Watch Stadium, who uh, is where our guest today, Michael Felder, uh, works for as well. And it looks as though... Uh, it's a total guessing game when it comes to bowl projections uh, to begin with, certainly this point in the season. And it looks as though there's some mixed reviews on exactly where Penn State's bowl destination could eventually be at the end of the season. Keep in mind, everybody right now is bowl eligible. The NCAA has lifted the bowl win requirement in order to qualify for bowl eligibility this year. If you're playing football, you are automatically eligible to play in a postseason game. So uh, you don't have to worry about hitting a certain number of wins this year, certainly after an 0-2 start. Uh, Penn State is bowl eligible, so we'll just get that out of the way right now. And if you look at some of these uh, bowl destinations, there's a couple of interesting matchups, a couple of interesting destinations, and uh, the logic is certainly uh, in flux right now as we go through the season. I will say uh, Brett McMurphy from Watch Stadium currently has Penn State projected to play in the Dukes Mayo Bowl down in Charlotte, and they would be facing North Carolina, who, by the way, our guest Michael Felder went to North Carolina and played for North Carolina. So it's all coming together here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. But yeah, um, a matchup with North Carolina would be pretty interesting. North Carolina certainly has taken a, a couple hits, uh, and they've kind of had their stumbles, uh, stumbles, I should say, as the season has progressed. But that's still a pretty dangerous team, I think, with Sam Howell and, of course, uh, getting a chance to go up against Mac Brown. That would be a pretty fun matchup. I, I would not be opposed to seeing that uh, yeah, I don't even worry about home field advantage because I know that Penn State fans, if they're allowed, will be traveling to a bowl game. Uh, again, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, but a matchup with North Carolina and the Dukes Mayo Bowl, that would be pretty fun. Uh, they are not the only projection for the Dukes Mayo Bowl. Uh, Kyle Bonagra, I, I always mess up his last name. And if he happens to be listening to this, I apologize for butchering that last name. 
but he does the uh, bowl projections with Mark Schleibeck uh, on ESPN. And he also has Penn State in the Duke's Mayo Bowl uh, against a team from the state of North Carolina. He just has them playing the NC State Wolfpack, which would be pretty fun for me because I've got a cousin and uh, her family are big NC State fans, having gone to NC State. So that'd be pretty fun for me. But uh, North Carolina or NC State in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, would be a pretty interesting matchup. I'd be more entertained by, I think, the, the matchup with the Tar Heels. But, uh, you know, hey, I wouldn't necessarily complain about that. But, of course, going to the Dukes Mayo Bowl is not at all what Penn State fans were hoping to see at the beginning of the season. So how about the Music City Bowl? Mark Schleyback of uh, ESPN also has Penn State in the Music City Bowl down in Nashville, where they would be taking on the Kentucky Wildcats. And uh, this is not the same Kentucky team that it was when Penn State last faced them uh, a couple years ago. Uh, in What was it, the Citrus Bowl? <laughs> I forget exactly which bowl it was now, but I think it was the Citrus Bowl uh, with that really good Kentucky team uh, that year that Penn State played them. This year's Kentucky team, not at all on that same level that the Wildcats were a couple years back. But I don't know how excited people would be about that matchup in particular. But how about a Citrus Bowl matchup, according to USA Today? Against the Auburn Tigers. Yes, the Auburn Tigers. That team we adopted when we didn't think that Penn State was going to be playing. How about ending the season with Penn State versus Auburn? I know we would have a lot of fun with our friends over at the Locked on Auburn podcast. Uh, certainly still, uh, that was probably the matchup I would be most intrigued by. Uh, Bo Nix versus this Penn State defense. Uh, you know That Auburn offense is not all of that, but when they are clicking, they are tough to beat. Uh, just ask LSU about that from this past weekend. So that would be pretty fun. You know, let me know what bold matchup you think would be the most entertaining for you. Uh, Penn State versus North Carolina in the Dukes Mayo Bowl. Penn State versus Auburn in the Citrus Bowl. I think I'm going to go back and forth between those two. I'm probably leaning towards that Auburn matchup because I like the Citrus Bowl a little bit better than the Duke's Mayo Bowl. No disrespect to the the bowl formerly known as the Belk Bowl, but give me the Citrus Bowl. Give me the Auburn Tigers. Give me a shot at an SEC team. That would be an okay way to end the season. Obviously, I still think there's uh, some hope that Penn State can climb their way into a New Year's Six Bowl game. It's going to be really hard to do that right now, but a 6-2 record, 7-2 with a win on championship weekend uh, could help Penn State move up the ranks, especially if Ohio State gets a chance to go into the college football playoff. Coming up in our next segment, we will begin our interview with the one and only Michael Felder from WatchStadium.com. It's already a busy week. Maybe you feel like you're just on the go all the time, all day, every day, as soon as you wake up until you go to bed. If you're always feeling like you're on the go and you just want to sit back and relax and hit that chill button, then there is no better way to do so than putting on those comfy clothes over lounging back on the couch and popping open a nice, cool, refreshing Coors Light because Coors Light is the beer that is literally made to chill. That's right, Coors Light, the official beer of watching any sport just to drink a beer is also cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Again, it's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. And the best part yet is if you are running low on your supply of Coors Light and you don't want to go out and make that beer run, you don't have to do that. Because nowadays, you just go online, you load it up on your phone, and you go to get.coorslight.com. You can get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. Contactless delivery. It is awesome. Remember, as always, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're like me and you actually get a chance to go in for a day job these days and maybe it's a little bit of a grind. Maybe you're just counting down the hours and the minutes until you can get to your lunch break. Well, look no further than the Built Bar because Built Bar is going to help you fill you up 
during a break time, get you to that next meal, get you through your next workout, whatever the case may be. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a chocolate bar, and it is now even deliciouser than it has ever been before because they have six brand new flavors, and they're always throwing out some new things every now and then. So if you follow them on Twitter, you'll definitely get a little bit of a glimpse of some of the other things they have in the works. But check out the caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Oh, the perfect flavor for this time of year as the weather's getting a little bit cooler, the leaves are changing color. Got to have that apple almond crisp this time of year. And what better way to get that than in the form of a protein bar, again, that tastes just like a chocolate bar. They are low calorie, high protein, high fiber. They help me get through my day, and I'm sure they will do the same for you. So if you want to check them out for yourself, all you have to do is go to BuiltBar.com, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you'll get 20% off your next order. And while supplies last, they will throw in a free cooler with your purchase. And let me tell you, having a refrigerated or chilled Built Bar is a pretty nice treat to have on the go. So once again, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. One more time, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I'm so happy to welcome a brand new guest to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, somebody I've talked to before in podcast form, and I'm happy to bring him on to this space, talk some Penn State, break things down a little bit, because that's what he's known for. He is Michael Felder, college football video analyst for Stadium, and you can also check him out on Twitter. He's very active there, at In The Bleachers. Also co-host of the Trash and Treasure with Amina and Felder podcast. Really good listen. Michael, how's it going today? Uh, Kevin, I'm doing all right, man. It's been a long time, no talk, but I, I hope you're doing well. And um, I'm excited, man. It's uh, listen, we we kind of came up together, right? Like back in the the wild, wild west of college football blogging. Yeah, back when uh, college football blogging was a completely different animal. We have grown up, I would like to think, uh, in many respects. <laughs> uh, may, maybe not enough in some areas, but you know what? We're all lighthearted. We all enjoyed. Uh, covering college football, talking college football. And that's why I go to you because you break things down in a way that I couldn't imagine doing so. So I always feel like I learned something from you. And I really want to get your take because Penn State fans are looking at the sky as falling right now after an 0-2 start uh, with an upset loss at Indiana to open the year. And of course, this following week, this past weekend against Ohio State. So I know you've broken down the film a little bit, taken a little bit of a look to see what you're liking, what you're not liking. So I got to get your first impressions on what exactly you're seeing from Penn State, maybe just from last weekend or you know, in the two games you've seen so far. Uh, well, let's be, here's the reality, right? That, that, the Indiana game is a bit of a coin flip, and but I will say this. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save that part. Let's go with this first. Okay. Jahan, like Penn State is under an immense pressure, but also up against it with their, with respect to Journey Brown not playing, Noah Kane not being Noah Kane being out as well. They don't have the pieces that they thought they were going to have. The fact that Sean Clifford ran for over a hundred yards that as someone who watched Sean Clifford pre Penn state, I was like this, like, why would that should never happen? So they have some deficiencies in the run game. And obviously up front is another part of the issue with the offensive line. So they have to figure out how they can run the ball. But I also think on a positive side, uh, John Dotson's been amazing. He has been like, he's playing his way into some money. This guy's going to be cashing checks. Like he's remarkable. What he's been able to do from a production standpoint to go from, what do you have, 27, 28 catches a season ago to go to already at 12 catches? And he's, he's, this was an easy fraction for me. 
five touchdowns. He has four touchdowns, four fifths. That's an easy fraction for me for where he's at right now at four fifths of the touchdowns from a season ago. And I do love Sean Clifford. I think that the offense is in good hands. I think obviously when you lose not just your best defensive player, but a player who's one of the best defensive players in the country and Micah Parsons, you're going to have some issues. And we're seeing, I think those issues come to fruition um, again. And then now I'm going to flip the coin over. I don't, I'm not particularly in love with James Franklin as an in-game coach, specifically at the end-of-game scenarios. And I don't know – listen, I'm not in the huddle. I don't know what he's telling the guys. I don't know what the defensive coordinator – I don't know what anyone's telling these guys. But to consistently take timeouts at the end of the game, which gave Indiana a free timeout, which ultimately led to them scoring a touchdown, I, as a defensive-minded guy – I'm thinking don't give them that timeout. Let them play harried football. Let them waste that. Let them waste it down, right, to spike mm-hmm. the football and figure out your plan instead of giving them a free timeout. And then coming out of the timeout, you give up a 13-yard pass. And that's wild to me. And so I, I think that there has to be a little more calm, I think is the right word. Like, let's relax. We're going to we're just going to do the stuff that you guys do well. Let's play base. Let's play in our base package and go make plays and do that. So it's, it's a rough, it's rough being 0-2. It's better to be 1-1. It's obviously better to be 2-0. But the big thing for me, Kevin, that I look at is, is we're seeing flashes. We see the hardship that they're up against, obviously. We could be worse. You could be Wisconsin right now, which they're 1-0. But the reality is they're 1-2 at the right. end of the day because – they lost these two games to, 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 to COVID-19. It's also a couple of thoughts, and I do want to dig in a little bit more on a bunch of the things you just said. Let me kind of backtrack. Let's go back and talk about James Franklin, okay? Because his game management has not been under fire for the first time this season. This has been a, a running issue at times, especially when things are not going well for Penn State. It seems like anytime that Penn State loses a game, one of the first things that people talk about is the game management. The thing, James Franklin calling the wrong plays, running things a little differently. Is this something that Penn State fans just need to accept at some point, or is there a chance that something could change as far as how James Franklin runs a game? Well, I think there's two things. I think that I don't think accepting it is going to be acceptable, honestly. I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to be consistently frustrating. Um, but it's, it's the same as – I went to UNC. And UNC fans consistently complain about Roy Williams and the way that he uses timeouts or for, to be more specific, doesn't call timeouts. He likes to see his team play through it. And it's a different sport, different scenario, obviously. But I think the difference is, is you can live with it when you're winning. And that's the biggest difference. You can live with it when you're winning, but it's really tough when you, it leads to a loss. And that's the part that I think that um. Franklin's got it. That's the hump he has to get over. And I looking at it and watching this team's got players that I absolutely, I love some of these players. These guys are good. And I just think that the reality for him is he's got to find ways to, 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 to get over the hump. And I think part of getting over the hump, it's not a Saturday thing. And we're so focused on Saturday, right? Cause that's the thing that we get to see, especially now because nobody's going to practice. No, like media members are going to practice. Right. To me, it's this is a this is a Sunday to Friday thing. Depending on, I don't know if their day off is Sunday or Monday, but the reality is, is that this is a a, a Sunday to Friday thing where you work scenarios. 
so that your players are prepared for different scenarios, whether it's the clock scenario, it's the field goal, late field goal scenario, all these things, you work on those things. You know that, hey, you know what, we don't have any timeouts and guess we just have to play base defense and we're doing this and keep it in front of you and make your plays and don't do that. Play sticks, it's sticks scenarios where you guys, instead of taking your drop to five to seven that you usually take, now you need to take that drop to nine because we know that they're gonna try to get a first down. I think it's scenarios. And I think, listen, I don't know if he's doing it or not, but he clearly doesn't feel confident in his team's ability to handle different scenarios. And I think that's a practice problem more than it is a game problem. And so you prepare your players for success by preparing them in practice. And that's what practice is all about is being ready to handle anything so that you don't have to, refresh their minds or tell them something different and I'll go off of Penn State right here I think about goodness gracious now how many years ago was it Tennessee versus Florida where Tennessee caught a deep ball down the middle of the field because or excuse me Florida caught a deep ball down the middle of the field to score a touchdown to win the game because Tennessee was worried about them getting a first down but the reality is there's not enough time for them to get a first down and then get another playoff with a spike because they don't have any timeouts and I think those are the type of things that you have to work on in practice and you have to drill into players in practice. Like part of being, listen, there's part of being a coach is making sure your kids go to class and that they get their degrees. Part of being a coach is making sure that you put the best players out there on the field to give you the best opportunity to win. But another big part of that is making sure that the players you have out there on the field have a high football IQ so that they can understand and make decisions for themselves. And you don't have to call those timeouts. And you don't have to tell them everything to do all the time. They know it because they are students of the game, which is the goal. And I'm not disparaging any of the Penn State players. What I'm saying is the coach's job is to make sure that he doesn't have to worry about it. Because you think about Nick Saban is not telling Dylan Moses what to do. You know what I mean? He's not telling him what to do in a given scenario. You know, because we practiced it. And I think that's a big part of it. It really started – in the 90s, maybe the 80s, but of practicing scenarios. And I know you have limited hours in college, but scenarios are so remarkably important. And as an outside observer, it's like they haven't practiced the scenarios nearly enough. And I know it's a weird year, but as mm -hmm. you mentioned, this isn't the first time that we've had these discussions. Plenty more to come with Michael Felder coming up in our final segment of today's podcast. We'll get his take on the current state of Penn State Honor head coach James Franklin and where they stack up in the national landscape. No, it's not. But if I can get you to take a look at Penn State as a whole, James Franklin as a whole, yeah, there are some valid criticisms. There is uh, always room for improvement, and I and I think that's fair. But when you take a, a pulse of where you think Penn State is as a program in its entirety, with recruiting player development, uh, what they're doing on and off the field. Um, you know, when you put it all together, where do you think Penn State stands compared to some of these other programs? Because obviously they're trying to get over the hurdle and get back to being a Big Ten champion and break into that college football playoff at some point. Where are they? How close are they? How far are they? And have they made any progress in the last couple of years in getting to that next level? No, I think they're close. That's, a, that's I guess, maybe the more frustrating part is that they 
can't get over the hump. That's I'm more frustrated with whether it was Alabama not being able to to expand their offense a couple of years ago, right? Like we, right. we I've, the thing that you and I have talked about, where like they should be better on offense. People are like, well, they're winning, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. They should be better. They should be <laughs> right. better at offense with all the players they have. They should be better. And with Penn State, for me, it's just getting over that next hump. And I was talking to somebody. I was talking to Sam Acho, and he he said something to me that kind of stood out. And it, it's I've heard it before, but it's it did stand out to me. It's 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 much harder to go from team seven or eight or team 10 to team two and three than it is to go from team 20 to team 10. Right. And from a ranking standpoint, it's mm -hmm. so much harder to get those little things dialed in. And right now around the country, we have three teams that it feels like at least that are dialed into that level with Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio state. And I think Penn state is in that next group of teams with Georgia, with Notre Dame, and so I, I don't even – I don't care about the 0-2 start. Like, for me – and you know this about me. Watching football for me is you can lose a game. Sometimes things don't go your way. Things don't go right. Like, they could have called Penix, – Penix could have been out. Mm -hmm. And that's – now you're 1-1. One one. Right. Don't care. But this is a team that's got some quality players. They've got some quality playmakers. They have a they're, – they're more talented than everyone except Ohio State on their roster – maybe Michigan. They're more talented than everyone else. Now it's about putting those pieces in order to maximize what you can do. He, I think Franklin is a tremendous recruiter. I think he recognizes that he needs to not just win in Pennsylvania, but also move around. And, and the way that he's worked in the DMV has been remarkable. I love that. I love watching the way that he's able to get into there. And the way that he's using all those different things to, to, to make something happen, I think is a big positive. So for me, I look at Penn state as I don't think that they're, I'm more optimistic about Penn state than I am about Michigan. Currently I'm more optimistic about Penn state than I'm about. I, I, to me, I think they're a strong two in the big 10 again, despite the record. I think I they're say, are they, are they the best Owen two team in the country right now? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is I think that is, they are strong too because the ceiling for Penn State, even just this Penn State team that we're dealing with, with guys out, with guys opting out, with guys that are hurt, with guys that are going to miss some games, right? The ceiling for them is still higher than Wisconsin. Right. The ceiling for them is still higher than Michigan State, who great bounce back win against Michigan, but – the ceiling for them is still lower because they don't have the talent that Penn State has. This team is talented. It's about them coming together to figure out who they are from an identity standpoint, figure out who they are. Um, and, and, no, not who they are, but figuring out how to handle in-game scenarios. And that's the, that's the next step. To me, that's, that's the thing they have to do. And listen, they're in the same boat as Georgia. And Georgia is a team that – Listen, Georgia thinks they can win every single game 27 to 17, and that's not going to work for them. Right. And Penn State's a team that is still feeling out, are we a 35-point team or are we a team that leans on our defense? And that's – when you don't have Michael Parsons, guess what? Maybe we're a team that has a score 45 to win. 
Let me uh, dial in with the defense a little bit because you said earlier you're a defensive guy. That's why I always love about you. I know you bring the heat when it comes to talking defense. So talk to me a little bit about this Penn State defense now. Obviously, no Michael Parsons. And we saw this past weekend against Ohio State. It seems like every time that the Penn State offense did get something going for them, the, the Penn State defense wasn't able to shut down Ohio State. So as you look at the film, I'm inclined to say that, you know, it's – you're going up against Ohio State. It's going to be tough to do. But it, would one defensive stop have been too much to ask for Penn State against the Buckeyes? Yeah, that was rough. And I, I don't know. I, I'm going to defer to you because you know better than I do. Joey Porter, is he is he hurt? He got banged up in the game. I don't know what his status was as we're recording this uh, for moving forward. But can, yeah. he did come back into the game. So, right. I, again, I saw we'll keep an eye out. on that. Saw him in out. But he's, he's a good football player. So, yeah. I saw him in and out. And I think that – there's this element of looking for where he's not, which is a very real thing. Which Ohio State did do as soon as they noticed that he was out of the game. They went deep on his replacement, and it ended up being a, an Ohio State touchdown. So uh, kudos to Ryan Day for catching that. Yeah, but that's the whole that's the whole thing is you you got to have your players. I, I, I really – I like Lamont Wade. I like Shaka Tony. I like these guys. It's just a matter of everyone doing your job which I think is another big part of it. And, and listen, sometimes you can't do your job against someone. And I say this as a guy who technically played college football, but what I like to say is practiced a lot of college <laughs> football and get in the game. I respect that. But it's, listen, there's some guys I was, I'm never going to be able to cover some guys. And I think at the end of the day, when we talk about it from a, obviously with Joey Porter Jr. going out and then them immediately going to that well, I think it speaks to you've got to build – Depth isn't even the right word. You've got to build reliability. You've got to build interchangeability in this sport. I think that Clemson does a really good job of that. Uh, they put other guys in the game all the time. And if you're a starter that makes a mistake, and this is something that, again, I, I don't love everything about Dabo, but I respect this about the way that he coaches, is he for, like if you make a mistake, he will take you out. And – that forces somebody else to be ready to play. That makes somebody else ready to play if their number does get called because of an injury or a guy gets banged up or, or even if his helmet comes off and he has to sit out, right? Like right. all those things kind of blend together. But I look at this team and I think that they have a ton of talent. I think obviously you want to see a little bit more interior push at the linebacker spot. They're growing into their, their these roles. But defensively, it shouldn't be that you don't expect to get a stop or you shouldn't, you can't expect to get a stop. What it should be is, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the, have you, you seen the Patriot? I assume. Yes. Mel Gibson movie. Um, he's a bad person, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but there, he says something in that movie that always sticks with me and it's aim small, miss small mm -hmm. where you shoot for something little. And then if you miss it, guess what? You're still on target. And I think that's the way that defense should be played where it's not I want to get a sack or it's not I want to get a tackle for loss. It's not I want to get an interception. It should be when those things happen, fantastic. But the reality is it should be – defense should be played 2-2 two, two, and then an incompletion. Two yards, two yards, incompletion. Or in today's where they, everybody passes all the time, incompletion, two yards, incompletion. And I think we have a lot of people that are trying to make big plays instead of little plays. And those yeah. little plays – lead to huge results and we're seeing that um with west virginia right now west virginia they play so much little they do so much small scheme things defensively 
And that's why they're top five in defense right now, because they are doing the right, they're doing all the little things right. And if you do all the little things right, then you get big results. And that's the part that I think we're, we're still watching people evolve into their roles with Penn State. And so that's the part where guys have to grow into roles. They have to recognize that I don't need to do his job. It's, a, it's trust, trusting the guy next to you to do his job, but also making sure you just do your little job because your little job is going to lead to big results. This weekend, Penn State's going to hopefully try to get into that win column for the first time. Uh, they're going to be taking on a Maryland team that comes off a pretty big win last week against Minnesota. Uh, Tonga Vailola, uh, is this going to be the real deal for Maryland, or is that just a flash in the pan early on? Is he still developing? What do you, what do you think that read's going to be there? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that win last weekend from Maryland. I don't think anybody really was. <laughs> like, I was not. I didn't see it coming. Uh, and then this kid, was it Jake Funk? Yeah, the running. I'll be honest. I haven't really heard of him. I think he's Don't like a. He might be a senior or something like that. Kind of yeah, had some injury senior. issues or something. Fifth so. year guy, seventeen carries a year ago. Yeah, and now he's got. He had so seventeen. He had seventeen carries for one seventy five, through three games, and obviously he was he didn't play two games. Twenty seven carries, two hundred fifty six yards already. Okay, yeah. let's play. Let's play some football. So, Talia is. I really love Talia. I will say this. He is, um, for me, the big thing about watching Tua through recruiting was getting to see his brother there all the time, too. Mm-hmm. And when Tua made his massive shift from January, February 2016 to May of 2016, where he went from a bruiser to a passer, mm-hmm. his brother went through it with him. But his, ne- his brother was never a bruiser. His brother was always a passer. He, never, he just learned the good habits. He never learned any of the bad habits. And it's really interesting to see. So, yeah, I, this, is, it's, it's, this is a game Penn State obviously needs a win. Right. They want to, for, to make people to, – to, to calm the masses, to, to, to quiet the crowd, to feel better about themselves just in that locker room. They need a win. But the other part of it is, is this Maryland team not going to give it to them. They're going to have to take it. And I think if you're, I think referencing Maryland, it's a good mentality for them to have because they've been, they've, they've been beaten and lost. So they've lost, they, Maryland lost games via turnovers, obviously with some injury issues as well. Maryland lost games, but now I feel like they're in a position at least to, to, to make you have to beat them. And I think those are two starkly different places to be as a football team because at least you're not going to beat yourself you're going to force that other team to go out and get the win should be a pretty interesting matchup i'm looking forward to it but michael felder before i let you go i always have to close out a podcast interview with you by asking you what are you cooking and what are you watching on tv these days oh man i don't get to watch nearly as much tv anymore i got a two-year-old and she kind of rules that whole situation understood so that I'm- understood that I'm still able to be in the kitchen and doing the cooking. But uh, tonight for dinner, we're going to have um, surf and turf tacos. So we're having a flank steak. We're having, excuse me, not flank. We're going to have skirt steak tacos that's marinating right now. Skirt steak tacos on uh, corn tortillas. And I'm very excited. This weekend, I'm going to make some chili on Sunday. So we're going, we're going to go full, the full chili experiment. But I've been, I'm doing that. Last night, we had squidding, homemade squidding pasta with scallops. So I'm, See, I'm all over the I'm getting hungry just hearing you talking about the way you're eating, uh, and I'm jealous. So uh, eventually, one day, you're going to have to cook something for me if that sounds like an okay plan with you. All right. 
Michael Felder, thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go one more time, uh, remind people that are listening how they can get in touch with you, anything you've got going. What do you got going on these days that people should be paying attention to? So on Saturday mornings on the artist formerly known as Fox Sports, uh, whether it's Midwest, Ohio, whatever it is, Yes Network even, Marquee if you're in Chicago, but we do a college kickoff live, myself and Sam Acho. And that is an hour before the game starts. We come on, we talk a little college football. We get to, it's really cool to spend some time with a guy that played also just talking ball. And we talk like, we get into like the little nuance of the stuff and it's really fun show to do. Um, And then I'm doing, obviously I'm at watchstadium.com at stadium on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at in the bleachers. We will have the links to all that as much as possible in the show notes for today's episode. Michael Felder, it was a pleasure getting a chance to talk to you again. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. My thanks once again to my pal, Michael Felder. Always a pleasure talking to him and getting his insight because only he can break things down the way that he does. And that's why you have to give him a follow on Twitter. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not already following Michael Felder on Twitter, you need to correct that today. Like right now. Go to Twitter.com. Look up at In the Bleachers and give that man a follow. He is well worth the follow for sure. And of course, we will also provide links to his Twitter account and some of the other things he has going on in our show notes for today's episode. So whatever podcasting app you may be listening to us in today, make sure you check out the show notes and you can check out all the content that we have as well as the stuff that Michael Felder uh, just plugged for him. And of course, we try to do that all the time. Check out those show notes. We have some good stuff in there. It's not just the audio form. You want to go into the show notes as well. My thank you to you for listening to today's episode. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating and reviewing. If you enjoy this content, please let us know. If you have some criticisms, you can let us know that as well. We're not shy. We're not going to be bashful. We're not going to sit here and cry because you didn't like something I said. If you want to provide some feedback for the podcast, we welcome it with open arms. We want to build something here that you would enjoy listening to and want to share with your friends and family and, of course, your fellow Penn State fans. So go ahead, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. Let us know what you think about the show. And, of course, reach out to us on all of our social media feeds we are on twitter facebook instagram and twitch using the username locked on nittany across the board my name is kevin mcguire you can give me a follow on twitter as well at kevin on cfb check out my content over on athlonsports.com and until next time everybody have a great day come back we'll do it again tomorrow i do have another guest lined up we'll have some fun talking about penn state and maybe some former nittany lines that are supposedly in the next level at the NFL. Uh, Of course, battling some injuries for some of them, but we'll talk a little bit about that in tomorrow's episode. Looking forward to sharing that one with you uh, as well. So once again, thank you for listening. Have a great day. I will talk to you all again tomorrow.